Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. All right, so the title of my message is simple because it's going to be a simple message today, but sometimes the most simple of messages are the most profound messages, and I really believe that that's what's going to happen here today. The title of my message is Unlock and Understand God's Provision. Unlock and understand God's provision. How many of you know that God is your provider? How many of you really know that God is your provider? How many of you think that you're your provider? How many men think that you make it happen? God uses us, amen? He's the source and uses a lot of different things as a vehicle. But I remember when I was first saved not very long ago, Troy, there was a song that was really popular, and it was uh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Matter of fact, let's just sing it together. How many of you know that song? Jehovah Jireh, my provider is sufficient for me oh yeah you guys are good jehovah jireh my provider is sufficient for me let's take it up my god according to what according to his rich and glory you can tell the people that don't know the song <laughs> They're like, I ain't never heard this song before. What are these? What kind of strange land do these people come from? Powerful song, right? Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides our needs. So today I want to just share with you four different ways that God supplies our every need. And um, one of the things that we can do is whenever we look through the Old Testament, we can see the patterns by which God um, did things with natural Israel. And by looking at those patterns by which God used and, and created, you know what I mean, to supply the needs of natural Israel, we can also see how God supplies to us spiritually today. And so like, listen, if you're a person that doesn't spend any time in the Old Testament, that only spends time in the New Testament, like, like that is wonderful and it's great, but I encourage you, you know what I mean, to also spend some time in the Old Testament. I'm telling you this, that we know this about God, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And by looking at the Old Testament, you can also see more of a fullness of a picture of who it is this God is that you serve. And so in our first story, which is found in Genesis chapter 45, Genesis chapter 45, we see Joseph who is speaking with his brothers who have betrayed him. I'm going to lay some groundwork just real quick to catch you up if you're not familiar with the story. I'm going to leave a lot of holes in it. So I encourage you, if you're not familiar with the story, go back and spend some time in the book of Genesis right around chapter 45. But we know this, that Joseph was the son of favor. 
He was the son of promise. Not only did he have favor of God, but he also had favor from his very own father. His father had many sons, but Joseph was the favorite. How many of you had a brother or a sister that was the favorite growing up? And, and, and it wasn't you. Anybody? Like the favorites, like, you better believe it. But let me tell you what, if you were the favorite, you, if you were the favorite, not everybody in the whole household was excited about you. As excited as, as maybe mom and dad were. It was the same story, the same situation with Joseph. His father gives him this beautiful coat, handmade coat of many colors. And Joseph knows that he's the favorite and he acts like it. One day he's going out to catch up with his brothers and they saw him from a distance off and they began to plot to do him harm. In fact, when they grabbed him, they were going to kill him, but they ended up throwing him into a pit and they took that favorable coat of many colors and they began to shred it up and they began to dip it in blood to make it look like a wild animal had killed him. And they had taken that, that coat of many colors now, you know, uh, dipped in, in blood and they took it back to their father and, and, and their father was just very, very distraught because he knew that he had lost his son forever. But these brothers were opportunists. How many of you, if you were given the opportunity to sell that son or that sister a favor in your house and make a little cash, would have done it if you would have had that opportunity? Anybody? Anybody? We got some honest people here. Good. So they, uh, they saw a great opportunity to not kill this, this young boy, but to, but to sell him. And that's exactly what they did. They sold him. He ended up going to become a slave um, in Egypt. But because he loved God and was faithful to the Lord and did the right thing, even when he could have done all the wrong things, God used him and elevated him to become really prime minister. And there's a lot of things in between, but he became prime minister, um, second in command of all of Egypt. And so here is where we pick up. So during this time that he is in Egypt, there's a great famine that comes across the entirety of the land. And because Joseph listens to God and honors God. God gave him some inside information that you're going to have seven years of plenty and then you're going to have seven years of famine. And so Joseph knew that they needed to store up during that seven years of plenty so that they would have enough corn to sustain them through the seven years of famine. And so that's exactly what he did. He built silos and filled up all these silos with corn. And Joseph was the keeper of the keys to the corn. And so not only the people in Egypt had to go through Joseph to get their, their blessing and their supply, but also from the surrounding areas. Guess who was part of the surrounding areas? Joseph's family. The very brothers that threw him into the pit made it look like he was killed by a wild animal and sold him into slavery. Next thing you know, those brothers are coming to him. Genesis chapter 45 and verse 7 picks up with his conversation that Joseph is now having as a person in authority with his brothers that sold him into slavery. He says to them, And God sent me, Joseph, ahead of you to preserve 
for you a remnant of the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you, come on, who tried to kill me, who tried to destroy me, come on, who sent me into Egypt. It wasn't you that sent me here, but it was God. He made me Lord of Pharaoh's entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. And so what Joseph is saying to his brothers that did him such harm is he was saying, listen, God has sustained me. He has positioned me and he has protected me so that I could provide and I could protect and be a savior unto you, my family. So number one, how does God supply our needs? Number one, God supplies our needs through other men. God will use other men and other women to supply what it is that you need for a moment. I just really want to just ask for real quick, who here has experienced, you know, a time of great need and then all of the sudden somebody shows up and they provide the very need that you, that you were needing? All over the place, right? See, God will use other people to get you what it is that you need when you cannot do it for yourself. I just absolutely love that. You know what, what I think is crazy too is God will sometimes use the most unlikely of people to supply that need for you. My wife and I, we've been in situations in our, in our time together where we have been financially just just drained or financially strained. You know, life happens and whether it's medical bills or, or whatever, but we've been in really, really tough times and, and, and there have been people that have come at the perfect time, the opportune time to give us a financial blessing. We weren't asking for it. Matter of fact, we didn't even let anybody know that we were going through a difficult season, a tough, a tough time. But how many of you know that God has his eyes upon you even when nobody else does? And so God's moved on people's hearts. But what's crazy is, like in your mind, you're thinking, okay, God's going to use maybe this person that's, that's certainly got more than enough. They're, 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 they're financially wealthy and completely independent and, they're, and their cup is overflowing. And certainly if God's going to bless me financially, it's going to come through this person who owns all of these businesses and has all of this success, right? That's what makes sense, right? But I'm telling you what, that is completely wrong. I mean, I have been financially blessed by people that if, 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 I was, if I was a betting man, I would bet that even in my poor situation, my tough situation that I was in, I would have bet that I had still more than they had. But God uses them to bless me financially. Makes no sense. You know what God's doing? He's saying, listen, I'm doing this. I'm using this most unlikely of person or people so that you know where this blessing comes from. Amen. I've been through I've been through seasons where I can't believe you're saying this, pastor. We just thought you walk with Jesus always. I've been in seasons as a pastor where I have been drained spiritually. Like I've just like I don't have anything else to I have nothing else to give. And so so I'm I'm thinking, man, oh man, you know, if God's going to send somebody, it's going to be like a father of the faith. It's going to be somebody that's walked with Jesus longer. 
than I've been alive, right? They've got some tenure. They've got, they've got some time with the Lord. And that's the one that God's going to send me, you know what I mean, to encourage me spiritually. But then God uses the person that's just been saved three and a half weeks. <laughs> like they know nothing about nothing. But God says, listen, I'm sending you somebody that's going to give you a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a word of encouragement, a life-giving word, and it's going to come out of the mouth of the most, uh, 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 the, the, the person that you least expect that's going to come from that place. Why does he do that? He does it because he wants you to know that I'm the one that is behind this. Come on, come, somebody, can I get a good amen there? In Genesis chapter 45, the same chapter, listen who God uses. God uses Pharaoh to provide for the Hebrew people. Pharaoh was the king over the country, right? But check this out. Pharaoh was an evil worshiper of false gods. But Pharaoh trusted in Joseph enough to elevate him. And so the blessing really came through, come on, this king that wasn't serving the Lord. And I'm just telling you this, don't put God in a box because sometimes we get fussy, we get picky as to who it is that God is going to use to give us his provision and his blessing. Luke chapter six and verse 38, it says this, give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's another song. You guys ever heard that song? Anybody? Let's go ahead and sing it together. I feel like singing today. Matt won't let me join the worship team. So when I got the mic and I feel like singing, I'm going to sing. This scripture was turned into a song. Give and it will come back to you. Anybody? Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together. Running over, give, and it will come back to you. Oh, I feel it. I feel the Lord in this way. As you give, give to the Lord. See, we sing this song, we quote this verse, but we always forget the last portion of the verse. It goes on, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over. And then it says... Shall men give into your bosom? See, we approach this like, man, give and it will come. And God is going to bring this blessing directly from him all the time. But the truth is, is God is going to use other men to bring the blessing of God, other women to bring the blessing of God into your bosom. What's your bosom? It's this area right here. It's your lap. It's close to your Possession. God will raise up others to provide you and bless you in times of need. Amen. Second story found in 1 Kings chapter 17. Got to hurry up. Elijah is led by God to an obscure, a dry place because there was a woman by the name of Jezebel that was killing all of the prophets. And so God speaks to Elijah. He said, I want you to go to this dry place, this desolate place, but don't worry because I've got ravens that are going to feed you bread in the morning and meat in the evening. 
And there is a brook that runs through the area that I'm calling you to, to go. And so, so he goes out, and yes, absolutely, ravens, birds bring bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat every, every evening. And, and Elijah, the man of God, the prophet of God, is, is drinking from the brook. Let me tell you this about ravens. If you study them out, ravens do not gather and deliver, right? Ravens are not, they're the furthest thing away from, from Uber, What's the, what's the food delivery service? DoorDash. Ravens are not DoorDashers. Ravens are brilliant birds, but they are devourers and consumers of every single thing that they come across. And so what I really want you to know is God will change the nature of a person to meet the need. He changed the nature of the creature to meet the need that Elijah had. Once again, going back to don't be picky because the very person that has been against you, the very person that you have a hard time getting along with, the very person that is completely, exactly opposite of how you and your character is, it might be that person that God uses to provide for you a need. Why? Because he will change the character of somebody or something to meet the need of somebody that he loves. And so what I want us all to know here, got to pause here for a second because we have this great ability that when God uses something to bring about a blessing in our life, what we begin to do is we elevate that something or that somebody and begin to treat them like God's. See, the ravens were, were coming to Elijah morning and evening. It wouldn't surprise me if some people, if they were in that same situation, began to build a statue of a raven, a bird, and began to, and began to worship the bird and say, man, of all birds, this is the bird that I love the most. Now, mind you, I'm making a connection. If you've got somebody in your life that has been a provider for you, they've always been there for you, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Come on, they have been there for you um, physically, right? If you're not careful, you can, you can begin to worship that person. Just like we have the ability to worship, or Elijah could have, you know, made an altar and, and made a clay bird on the altar. Start, it's, the, it's, the, it's the bird that is the provider. But this is the deal. That raven, that bird, was only the vehicle of the blessing. God is the source of the blessing. And I see this even today when people are used by God to do great things. Next thing you know, people will elevate the person that's only the vehicle, but God is the source. And so we've got to realize that God is always the source and he will use all kinds of vehicles to bring about the blessing. Number two, God will supply our needs directly, right from his hand to our hand. Amen? Back to our first story. For 70 years, Pharaoh provided for Joseph. Joseph had favor in Pharaoh's eyes. All of the children of Israel had favor in Pharaoh's eyes. But in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8, that king, that Pharaoh, died. And the Bible says that there arose another Pharaoh. There arose another king that did not know Joseph. And guess what? When you don't know Joseph and you don't have relationship with Joseph, 
then the favor goes away. In fact, this new king said this, the people of Israel are too many and mighty for us. He was panicked. With a new king came new concerns. And he's looking around and he's like, man, there's too many of these people. They're going to overthrow us. And so what he did is he oppressed them and he afflicted them with heavy burdens. Pause. Everybody say pause. When you have depended on a person for too long, God will remove that person from your life. Because when we depend on a person or a position or a job or, or a title for too long, what happens is, is we become pretty self-sufficient or we begin to worship that thing. How many of you know that one of the greatest false, uh, 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 worshiping a false god that's taking place right now is people worshiping their careers? They don't, listen, listen, you don't need God. You don't need God. You only need God if, if you're stricken with cancer and you've tried everything that you've tried to get that cancer out of your body and now there's this coming back. There's this, you know what I mean? Because your money and the wisdom that you think you have and, your, and, you, and, and, and the, the, the influence that you have in the world and, and you've worked hard and you've positioned yourself, you don't need God for nothing. The only time you need God is when you're up against something that is bigger than yourself. And I'm telling you that whenever you trust in things and even your own abilities for too long, that thing is going to be taken away from you. Do you know why? Because God is going to drive you right back to the source. Your ability to do business is a vehicle. But please understand this. You would have no ability whatsoever if God didn't bless you with that ability, right? And so what happens is, is we get comfortable, and then the next thing you know, God shakes things up. What did it do? It drove the children of Israel right back to here. Oh, my God. Unless you show up, they're laying down before the Lord. Unless you show up, we surely are not going to make it through this. He has a great ability, come on, to get us back to worshiping and trusting in him. Story number two, Elijah had it made. He was being fed by bread and meat two times a day, had the brook that was running through it, had plenty of water. Two times a day, he was being fed and had the, had the water coming through. But the Bible says this, that there came a day where the brook dried up. Somebody say pause. What happens when the brook dries up? <laughs> you get thirsty. Who said that? That was so profound. <laughs> the brook dries up. <laughs> you do. You get thirsty. What happens when your marriage dries up? <laughs> Keep it. Keep it PG rated. <laughs> what happens when the job is no longer there? What happens? What happens whenever you've worked so hard and you've invested so well, you did all the things right, and then there's an upturn in the economy and inflation goes through the roof and you were expecting this much per month to live on in your retirement 
but everything's crashed and now you're, you're wondering, man, am I going to have to go back to work a few days a week or maybe even full time? Like what happens? What happens when this happens is it drives you right back to your knees. Come on, to go to the source and to pursue God in that tough situation. God told Elijah, he said, listen, you can't stay here. I don't know where you're going to go, as Pastor Hobby says, but you can't stay here. You go over to his house and eat dinner. You know, there's a time where he'll just send you right home. Hey, you, you could go anywhere you want, but you're not staying here. How many of you have heard that before? I'll just go to bed on you. You can stay in my house all you want. I'm just going to, I'm Houdini. I'll be there one second and gone the next. But he says, listen, you can't stay here. Go to the widow. She's going to provide for you. She's going she's to feed you. She'll give you drink. And so Elijah's like, okay, I'm going to the widow. He shows up and, and, and he comes across this, this, this woman and she's gathering sticks. And he asks, he says, what are you doing? He said, she said, I'm, I'm gathering sticks to make a fire because I've just got a little bit of oil left and I've got a little bit of flour left. And I'm going to, I'm going to create my last little tiny loaf of bread and I'm going to, me and my son, we're going to, we're going to eat this last little loaf of bread and then we're going to die. What a statement. This is in your Bible. Check it out. This is during the famine. We're going to eat this last little bit and then we will die because we have nothing left. And Elijah being the man of God he is, knows that he's heard from the Lord. How would you like to be him saying, you know what, that last little bit of oil and that last little bit of flour, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make that fire, cook that bread, but instead of consuming it yourself, I want you to bring it to me. I want you to give that last little bit of what you have. Give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And, and so she goes and she cooks the bread up and she takes the bread that she and her son were going to consume themselves and die. She takes it and she brings it to the man of God. And the Bible says that that woman's oil never ran out and that woman's flour never, never ran out until the famine was over. And so there was a supernatural provision because the woman listened to the man of God and did what God was calling her to do. If she had not listened, she would have died shortly after that. But because she did, she lived on and lived on well. Can I just tell you this? If I was the devil, thank you for laughing. <laughs> I like that. In first service, I said the same thing. If I was the devil and Penny Maine's over here, it got away from me. She's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Enough of that, Penny. If I was the devil, this is what I would tell you. Don't live generously. Don't give to the needs of other people. Listen, had this woman not had given that offering that tithe, if you will, then she would have died a lot sooner than she did. Number three is this. God supplies through the work of your own hands. This is a good one. This is my favorite one 
Because sometimes when people are expecting and desiring God to do something, they want the miracle where they don't have to have any skin in the game. It's like, God, I have this great need. Matter of fact, we got Brynn and Richard, Pastor Richard right here on the front row. He, he will share you. They, were, they, were, they had gotten themselves into financial trouble. How many thousands of dollars? 30? Let's go back to the 30,000. That sounds better. So they got, the, they got upside down in, in debt. And they're praying, right? You guys are praying. You're like, listen, what do, God, we need you to do something. Next thing you know, the Lord introduces them to FPU, Financial Peace University. And so he brings the solution in the form of wisdom, not in the form of somebody just coming and say, hey, how much you need? I'll write you a check right now and just get you caught up. So they go through FPU and within a short period of time pay down 30 some thousand dollars worth of debt in a very short period. How long? Two years. Paid down $37,000 worth of debt. And oh, by the way, at the same time, life continues to happen. Medical bills, things start. It's not like God just puts things on pause like nothing else is going to require any more of your money, Nathan. You're going to be able to put every single dime that you make towards this debt. No, there's other things. But now, these two are leading FPU right here at our church. And I just absolutely love that. Helping other people to get on top of their finances as well. Amen? And so sometimes the miracle comes by you doing what it is that needs to be done. And God's saying, listen, if you'll get off the couch and get up and go to work, I'm going to bless the hands of your labor more than the person that is doing the same job but has no covenant relationship with me. So the miracle is still there, but it's done as you go out and pursue and to make things happen. So for 400 years... Got to hurry up. 400 years, the, these, these people are enslaved because of this Pharaoh that, that is kind of panicked by them. 400 years of slavery. God sends Moses to deliver the people, let my people go. They're going out. They cross the Red Sea. They're, 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 they come to the edge of the promised land. They're getting ready to go in, and they send 12 spies just to spy out the land. Ten of the twelve spies come back and they say, man, it's beautiful. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's incredible. But there's giants in the land. There's no way we can go in and have victory and possess the land. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, yeah, it's wonderful. Let's go take what's ours because God has promised it. For 40 days, they were infiltrating the land. They were checking it out. And because they failed to go in and take what was theirs, what God said they could have, they were cast out into the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years, they were, fed, they, were, they were fed every single morning heavenly bread called manna. And I'm telling you what, I was thinking of bread this morning like, like, uh, like, uh, like uh, Texas Roadhouse bread, right? And, um, and, and with that honey butter. And hot, like you can't let them sit very long. You just like, they come and you're already telling the waitress, bring me another basket. <laughs> and double the honey butter because that little honey butter that they give you in a cup is like one to one. One honey butter to one roll. And they always, they always give you like one to a whole basket. That's ridiculous. I don't even know. 
that shouldn't even make us ask. Olive Garden bread. I can tell you this, heavenly bread's got to be so much better than any bread that we've ever... Matter of fact, bread is the only thing that God could have given every single day for 40 years that people wouldn't get tired of. I promise you that. I promise you, every day was a treat. 39 years, 364 days, they were given bread. But on that last day... The bread was taken away from them. Forty years they built a dependence on the bread. But the day that they entered into their promised land, the bread ceased. Joshua 5.12 says this, Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate food of the land of Cana that year. See, there are times where where other people are going to provide for you. There are times where God is supernaturally going to provide for you. And there are times where God is calling you to get up off the couch and provide for yourself. And he says, listen, I'm going to bless it. The fourth way, the last way, is this. God provides through your enemies. What? God will provide your needs. He will supply your needs through your enemy? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Second Chronicles chapter 2 or 20 and verse 20. King Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat, not king, and the army of God were facing great enemies. God caused the enemies around the army of God in confusion to begin to fight amongst themselves. Jehoshaphat and his army, they go out to look over the valley, and what they see, the end result is, is, is complete annihilation. The armies that they were getting ready to battle, and they were surrounded. It didn't look good for the armies of God. God had caused the confusion and won the battle without them raising a sword or even raising a shield. The Bible says that King Jehoshaphat's men spent three days gathering the plunder, gathering all of the valuables that the enemy armies had. Three days it took them. Why were they successful in this battle? There was one thing and one reason only in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. The Bible says that before they went out to battle, they began to praise the Lord. This is why praise and worship is so important. Like if praise and worship makes you uncomfortable, you're wondering, like maybe this is new to you, you're wondering why are people raising their hands? Why are people clapping their hands? Why are some people dancing? Why are some people getting excited and saying amen? You're just like, you know what? That's just not me. I'm just way too cool, calm and collected to do that. People are gonna think I'm goofy if I, if I do that. Can I just tell you, that the reason why God caused this enemy army to destroy themselves, I believe, is because the Bible says they started with praise before they even began to put their armor on. Man, they went into, they went into a place of praise and worship. And then they get all armored up and they go out to the, you know, to look over the field to see what the army's gonna look like. And they're looking out and they're all dead. All of them are destroyed already. They get their plunder. They go back to Jerusalem. Instead of celebrating, breaking out the wine barrels and everything else, woo, woo, this is a great having a party. Guess what they did? They went right to the temple and they continued their praise and their worship. 
I'm telling you what, God will cause your enemies, the very people that are against you, whenever you begin to pursue him, put him first, next thing you know, the very people that are against you are going to be the ones that provide for you. But you know what happens when we're surrounded by the enemy armies? Many times we give up, we quit, we, we stop worshiping God. Why? Because God, you were supposed to protect me. I should never have to deal with an enemy army anyways. I belong to you. I can't believe I'm surrounded by this army. So instead of worshiping and praising and believing for God for another miracle, we quit. We just tilt. We just give up. And then the enemy has success over our lives. Sometimes he'll take us out of the game. I can't even tell you how many people that have told me at some point, I used to come to this church a long time ago. Well, I've been to your church before. Well, something happened. I went through a hard time and I just stopped going to church. Listen, man, hard times, tough times. There's not a person in here that, that, that doesn't face them, that doesn't deal with them. That's the time where you need to trust God and worship God and he will see you through. Can I just tell you this? I'm not sharing any details, but there have been people in my own life that have opposed me more than anybody else has ever opposed me that are now some of my biggest encouragers and biggest supporters. I can just tell you, God has the ability to change the heart of your enemy. And the next thing you know, man, they'll be blessing you. They'll be encouraging you. Amen. I'm ending with this. Nick Marsh, on that amen. I'm ending with this. Anytime that you're under a satanic attack, anytime that you are like the enemy is coming against you, how many of you ever felt like, 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 you know, you're, you belong to the kingdom of light, but the kingdom of darkness is like coming. It's not just somebody being mean or somebody being rude, but you're just like, man, this is a spiritual battle. I feel spiritually heavy. Has he ever, anybody ever experienced that? Who said that every day? Can I just tell you this? That whenever you are, we shouldn't be so shocked about the enemy coming against us. What you should be shocked about is if that never happens. Because when the devil spiritually attacks you, what that tells you is you're worth attacking. Now listen, I'm a Marine. When, why is it, why is it that when, when, when armies go out to battle, that your generals, all of your officers, they got these beautiful, nice, shiny bars and, and these incredible leaves and, 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 and they've just got this real fancy shiny stuff on their collars and why is it that whenever they go out on the battlefield they remove all of that stuff it's because they're the number one target because they listen they could have killed a, a hundred men but they, they let those hundred men go by because they see these bright, shiny bars off in the distance. And they're waiting for, for that guy to come into the site so that they can take him out. Why? Because they know that if they take that guy out, they're going to they're gonna have 
ease with the rest of the army. That guy's the one that's in charge. That guy's the one that has the wisdom. That's the one that has the authority. That's the one that's been battle tested. I'm taking him out. I'm gonna let all these hundred guys go by so that I can take him out. See, listen, enemy warfare and, and kingdom of darkness and kingdom of light is no different. If you find yourself under attack on the regular, it's because you're worth attacking. But we shouldn't get, we shouldn't get all bent out of shape whenever something feels different or we, we sense that something, come on, in the kingdom of darkness is happening. Sometimes people are like, oh my God, oh my God, what are we gonna, no, listen, we know how the story ends. We know how, I'm gonna stay the course I'm gonna to continue to do what it is that God has called me to do, and I'm gonna walk in victory, amen? So we can literally rise up and say, bring it on, bring it on. There's two things that happen. And it tax exposes two things, the value of your God-given assignment and the blessing that's waiting for you after this life is over. And I'm really challenging you, like if you never face attacks of the enemy where you can say, like, man, this is the devil's hot on me. He's, he's really trying to mess me up. Then, then maybe you're not living. How do I say this? It's possible that you're not living the faith-filled life like you're called to live. Because when you stand up, I had Tyson Barks on the front row first service. And I just, man, it just spoke to me. Tyson is out loud in his love for Jesus, unlike most people that I've ever met. And I just looked at Tyson. And I said, man, I know that I know that I know because of your vibrant passion about what Jesus has done in your life that you were attacked more than you let on. And he just, he, like tears started welling up in his eyes this morning. Amen, guys, we got one life to live. We got lots of responsibilities, but please, if you're gonna shirk any responsibilities, don't forget about being light and salt in the earth, amen? It's the best calling. It's the best thing that you can do with your life. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. The Bible says, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of my enemies. You know what, when I hear that, that, that word, this is what I think. Yeah, prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies and make them suckers my waiters. Make them wait on me. Make them serve me because this is exactly what's gonna happen is when you have the favor of the Lord on your life, your very enemies will be used by God come on to bless you to support you and the next thing you know they're going to be walking with Jesus too amen it matters how you live now listen this is the thing just real quick if any of you come in here this morning and you have needs we're doing this real quick I really felt compelled just to pray for you you're up against something that that, that is larger than than you can handle on your own you need God's intervention and you don't care how he does it, whether he uses somebody else, he gives it to you directly from his hand. 
You know what I'm saying? He uses you or he uses your enemies. You don't care how it happens, but you're just like, I need the Lord to intervene. If that's you this morning, just stand to your feet real quick. I feel compelled to pray for you all over the place. Awesome. All right. If you're not standing, what I would like for you to do is just come into agreement because we're gonna see some great things happen in the lives of these here today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word, which is yes and amen. God, your word hits the mark. It goes out and it changes us. We are washed and changed by the word of God. And I thank you for that. Thank you for the spirit of the Lord that is in this place that have connected the words that have been shared with the heart to the very depths, the internal spot of those that are here and brought them to a place of saying, yes, Jesus, what that guy's speaking about, yes, Jesus, I need. I need intervention in my life. Lord, I need you to, to do what it is that I can't do. I've tried everything. It's not worked. Lord, I'm trusting in you. I'm asking you, God, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Fill my heart with your spirit, God, and protect me and use me and guide me and direct me, Lord. You know what I'm facing. You know the sleep that I've lost. You know the anxiety that I've felt, God. I take all of that burden and I cast it upon you. And I'm asking, Lord, for a supernatural, come on, change to take place. I don't care how it happens through myself, somebody else, directly through you or my enemy. But I'm trusting in you. I'm asking you, Lord, to do this thing. And I promise you, Lord, I will give you the glory. I will give you the praise. I won't get the praise. I won't say, look what I have done. I will say, man, my God has supplied all of my needs according to his riches and his glory. God, I ask that you would move mountains, that you would restore relationships, that you would help people financially, Lord, that you would help businesses to, to, to find the right employees. I ask in Jesus' name that you do, you make easy the way that everybody else is struggling. Why? Because we are trusting in you. Your word says that sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. Right now, Lord, we're asking and we're not asking just out of desperation. We might be desperate, but we're asking because we have faith to trust you. Something has happened in this service. Something has changed as I've listened to the word of the Lord. It's caused me to believe that, yes, it's possible that God will supply my needs some way, somehow, Lord. And we just ask that that would be done. You know my needs. I trust you with my needs. And now I glorify you in advance because of the answer of those very needs. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.